0: Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show.
1: Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And we're going to be talking about today something we haven't talked about too much before it's something called self-directed iras a lot of people do ask us about that and we thought let's just bring on an expert to talk about self-directed iras so we have mindy gear from the Intrust group who is someone that helps that group the Intrust group is one of the leaders in self-directed IRAs. so mindy thank you for coming on the show
2: yeah thank you jeremy i'm excited to be a part of this uh, podcast today and i'm really looking forward to hopefully sharing some Insightful and interesting information on ways to further diversify your retirement portfolio through a self directed IRA. So, got a lot of information to share today.
1: I believe it. Let's just start there with what is a self directed IRA?
2: Yep. So, a self directed IRA is an account, a retirement account, that allows the individual or the fiduciary of that account to actually select the types of assets that you're going to invest in inside of that account. So Self-Directed gives the account holder complete control over the types of assets that you're investing in.
1: Yeah, and you say complete control there because a lot of times people have their money with a custodian and the custodian might have some restrictions on ru- or rules on what types of assets or investments might be in there. And I think also complete control is just an interesting concept. A lot of people actually come to us and ask about self-directed IRAs. I think they're actually referring to self-managed. Like when they say self-directed, they mean, I don't want an advisor or somebody else picking the stocks and bonds. I want to be the one that picks the stocks and bonds. And so do you mind just talking a little bit? What's the difference between say a self-managed versus a true actual self-directed IRA? So people, when they say self-directed IRA, they'll actually uh, say it correctly and know what they're, they're referring to.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you just mentioned is very common in this industry. There tends to be misconceptions on the terms. And it does happen frequently when I'm speaking to individuals that are talking about self-directed. So a true self-directed IRA allows you to invest in true alternatives. So assets that are outside of the traditional market of stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Sometimes custodians and record keepers will say that they offer a self-directed account, but you're still limited to stocks, bonds, mutual funds. A true self-directed IRA record keeper will allow you to invest in this whole world of alternative assets. So things like real estate or startup companies, cryptocurrencies, the spectrum of what you can invest in is very broad and we'll get into that in a little bit, but a true self-directed IRA allows you to invest in this whole other class of alternatives rather than a self-managed type account, you're still limited to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but you might be able to select those on your own. So big misconception. I've spoke to clients in the past who their custodian says, sure, we offer self-directed accounts. They open the account and then they try to invest in a piece of real estate and the custodian says, oh, hold on. No, you cannot do that. So in order to invest in these true alternatives, there's a, it's an, a niche custodian and record keeper that allows you to do that. So you just want to make sure that when you're wanting to invest in these alternatives, that you move your money to a record keeper and a custodian that will allow you to invest in those types of alternatives.
1: Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about how alternative and some fun, crazy examples in just a second. But when you say self-directed IRA, Even that way, a lot of people have some misconceptions about what an IRA is. A lot of people think it's just the traditional IRA. So you can do a Roth or a traditional IRA with this?
2: So, yep, another really great misconception in the industry. So a self-directed IRA, a self-directed traditional IRA has the exact same characteristics as your standard IRA that you have invested in the stock market. A self-directed Roth IRA has the exact same characteristics as a regular Roth that's invested in the market. The The difference is the type of IRA. So it's a self-directed, meaning you're picking the assets. IRA is an IRA. It doesn't matter if it's self-directed or not. They're the same. So there's actually, we have seven different types of plans that you can utilize to self-direct on your own. So a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA a SEP IRA, a simple IRA, an ESA, an HSA, and solo 401Ks. All of those seven types of plans can all be self-directed into alternative assets.
1: Gotcha. And most people are just familiar with traditional and Roth, but it's just amazing when you dig into it that there's a whole world out there of different uh, types of IRAs, different types of qualified plans is the name of it just shows uh, how much research you should go into before you make a choice to go with something like a self-directed IRA. And also too, like I said, use a niche self-directed IRA record keeper and custodian to make sure you're just crossing every T and dotting every I. Cause it's a, it's a legitimate deal where you could blow things up sometimes. So let's, we'll talk about that in a second, but give us some, just some fun, crazy examples, things that people have had in their IRAs that, uh, that qualify.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've heard some very interesting investment ideas. A couple that that stick out in my mind. For example, a couple of years ago, I had a, a gentleman that wanted to invest in some feeder cows inside of their IRA. That's an allowable investment as long as it's for investment purposes. So the the main thing to keep in mind when you are utilizing a self-directed IRA is that whatever you're investing in, it has to be for investment purposes only. Everything needs to stay at arm's length. There's no self-dealing. So as long as it's for investment purposes, it's allowed. So feeder cows, we even had a gentleman years ago, well before my time with Intrust, but he invested in a racehorse. That's an allowable investment. might be risky for some people, but if you know the types of assets and understand the types of risks and returns that are associated with it, that's the, the nice thing about self-directed is it allows you to invest in those types of assets that you know and understand the risks and returns that are associated with it. A couple of years ago, I had an individual that wanted to buy an island inside of their IRA. Very interesting asset to invest in, but you know it's allowed. So as long as it's for investment purposes, it's not a prohibited transaction, and we'll go into that in a little bit. And as long as it's administratively feasible by the custodian, it's going to be an allowable investment. So the spectrum of what you can invest in is very, very broad.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I think a lot of times if people say, Hey, I want a self-directed IRA, they really meant self-managed IRA, but sometimes they actually do mean self-directed IRA. And of those people, a lot of times it feels like they're asking me about self-directed IRA because they've got some crazy investment idea. They think it's almost like, A get-rich-quick type of scheme so we want to warn people against uh, those areas or they're thinking like hey this is a great way to maybe uh, you know buy a house for my kid or something like that and so it, it gets down to where there's a whole lot of different rules out there three big things you told me earlier to keep in mind are what your IRA can invest in what your IRA cannot invest in and especially who your IRA cannot do business with so let's go through each of those and let's just start with well what can your IRA invest in
2: Yep. Very, very, very good point. And it's when, when you are using a self-directed IRA, those three things are very important to understand because you can get into some trouble with the IRS if you're not following those three key points. So what your IRA can invest in. So I mentioned earlier, the spectrum is very, very broad. So just some examples, because if I were to go through a full list, we would be here all day, but your IRA can invest- it's basically
1: everything that you- are allowed to, That's not invested in, right? yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Look well, at what you can
1: we, invest in, and then it's everything else.
2: Let's talk about what you can't invest in first. So there's actually three, three things, three assets that your IRA cannot invest in, which is life insurance, collectibles, and S-corporations. So that's your three limitations. The IRS says no life insurance, no collectibles, and no S-corporations. And just to elaborate a little bit on collectibles, That could be things like a rug collection or an alcohol collection or a coin collection. And I do want to just mention, precious metals are allowed inside of an IRA. They have to be IRA approved, but precious metals are allowed But just your standard coin collection, if they're not IRA approved, that is not allowed. A, for example, uh, a gun collection, all of those types of assets are not allowed inside of your IRA. Those are going to be considered prohibited transactions. Now, when I say, let's say, for example, an alcohol collection, let's say you want to invest in a winery or a brewery. That would be an allowable investment because it's an investment into a business, not into an actual bottle of of alcohol. So that's your three limitations. So as you can see, the spectrum of what you can invest in very, very broad. So some big asset classes that are pretty common, real estate. And that can be any type of real estate. That can be uh, commercial real estate. That can be single family home. That can be a REIT. That can be just parcels of land. Up to you what you're investing in. You're your own fiduciary. You're deciding on what's going to be a good investment inside of your account. So it's up to you on the types of real estate that you want to invest in. Uh, Startup companies, cryptocurrencies, precious metals I already mentioned earlier, promissory notes. All, all of those are going to be allowable investments inside of a self-directed IRA. Again, the key is you have to have your money with a custodian who is willing to do that reporting to the IRS on those types of assets, um, but all of those are going to be allowed inside of the IRA. Now, let's talk about who, you can, who your IRA cannot do business with also a very very important component when you're looking to utilize a self-directed ira because you know what you can't invest in and you know what you can invest in but there's also a group of individuals that the irs has established that they call disqualified persons and your ira is not allowed to do business with any disqualified person and so a disqualified person is going to be yourself your spouse, your lineal ascendants, descendants, their spouses. So, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, so on up the tree, their spouses. Children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, so on down the tree, their spouses. Financial advisors, managers, beneficiaries, or any entity where you or any disqualified person have at least 50% or more ownership in that entity. So, no doing business with any disqualified person so no buying no selling no transferring ownership or no providing goods or services between your ira and any disqualified person now while i say that there is one caveat to that and the caveat is your ira is allowed to do business with a disqualified person if it's at the initiation of a purchase via what we call partnering So your IRA is allowed to partner with a disqualified person at the initiation of the purchase, but never after the fact. So I just did want to mention that because we do have clients that partner their IRA with their personal money or they they partner their IRA with their spouse's IRA to invest in, let's say, a piece of real estate or any other type of alternative asset. And that is allowed. You want to make sure that you're structuring it properly and following the, the rules with partnering with a disqualified person, but that would be a, that would be an allowable investment.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of rules there, worth studying ahead of time and, and having a, someone to guide you through it with uh, with a, a niche custodian like the interest group, which is which is great. I wanna talk briefly about the things uh, that you can invest in and that when people, when we narrow it down and actually get to the point where somebody does want a self-directed IRA, at least in my experience, you obviously run across more people in, in your, line of business, but oftentimes it has to do with wanting to buy precious metals. And I like that you mentioned it has to be IRA approved and the dealer should really know, uh, what's IRA approved or not. And then when it comes to real estate, let's talk about that for a second, because oftentimes when people ask me about investing in real estate, uh, with their IRA, it's oftentimes their traditional IRA. And I like to tell them that I think there's three main reasons why you want to buy real estate. And one of them has to do with depreciation where it helps you on your tax situation. Another one has to do with being able to leverage and getting a loan out to buy the real estate. So putting a little money down, getting a bigger property. And then the, the third one has to do with a step up in cost basis where your gain, if it goes on to your kids or to your beneficiaries, becomes tax-free then. Cause there's that step up in cost basis with real estate. And when we uh, talk through that, oftentimes I feel as if, why are you bothering to do the real estate inside of the IRA when those three tax ramifications, those three tax benefits are basically gone. And yet still people are buying real estate inside the IRA. Tell me a little bit more about that. Why would people still perhaps buy uh, real estate with their IRAs?
2: Yeah, that's a a really great question. And I actually get asked that from time to time by, individuals who are considering potentially using IRA money versus using their ordinary income. And there's really a couple of reasons why an individual would want to buy real estate inside of their IRA. And the first being to diversify. So if an individual understands real estate and they think it could potentially be a good investment and they want to further diversify their retirement portfolio, buying real estate could be a good option for them. And then the second being tax advantage. So the income that you're you're earning from the real estate inside of your IRA is either going to be tax deferred if it's inside of a, a traditional IRA or tax free inside of a Roth IRA. So the potential tax benefits of utilizing the IRA um, could be another reason Another reason that individuals are utilizing self-directed IRA to, to buy real estate.
1: And then you mentioned too, and I was talking about earlier on our, our call before, there is a possibility to even leverage real estate. You can get a loan, but it has to be called a non-recourse loan. Can you tell me uh, about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's actually, there's, So we'll just back up for a second. There's actually four different ways that you can buy real estate or any asset for that matter inside of your self-directed IRA. The first being a direct purchase, meaning that the name that goes on the title, the deed, the contract is in the name of the IRA. All expenses are paid from that IRA. All income goes right back into that IRA. The second option is leveraging, as you mentioned. So your IRA is going to take out a non-recourse loan and then buy the property with IRA money and the non-recourse loan. The IRA, the the account is responsible for paying back that that mortgage from the non-recourse loan, but that's also another option if you don't have enough money in your IRA to buy the property in full, your IRA can leverage. The third option is going the LLC route where you create an LLC where your IRA is the member of that LLC. And then you're opening a bank account in the name of that LLC. And then the LLC is actually buying the assets. Some people call them checkbook IRAs, some call them LLC IRAs, but it gives the individual essentially checkbook control. And then all expenses are paid from that LLC. All income goes right back into that LLC. Um, it's essentially just a pass through entity. And then option 4, which I touched on earlier, which is partnering. So your IRA can partner with anyone, even a disqualified person at the initiation of the purchase. So that gives you four options for buying assets inside of your retirement account. So the the nice thing with the self directed space is well it, it's an, an, it's nice and then it can also be frustrating because you have so many options that you really have to think about, okay, what's the best way for me to structure this? What is going to be my best option? Because there are so many options for you available. So it's, it's, it's nice and it's also a little bit frustrating at times for individuals who aren't really sure exactly which route they want to go.
1: Yeah, and, I, and that LLC idea seemed interesting to me. And just thinking of real estate, if you bought real estate from your IRA and then you needed a new roof, You have to call up your IRA custodian and and send the money out from the IRA to go pay the bill. And then when you get rent and so forth, that's got to go back in that LLC. I'm sorry, into the IRA. Uh, I just imagine there's a lot of transactions back and forth to make that somewhat cumbersome. And yet if you had started the brand new LLC and the IRA owned the LLC, uh, that's a lot easier. Like you said, it's checkbook control, a lot easier for things to flow back and forth through the the checkbook that the LLC owns compared to having to call up your IRA custodian every time you need to you know do landscaping or plow or, or or whatever it is
2: yeah you know it and I I have individuals that ask me okay which route should I go should I buy the real estate direct or should I buy it through the LLC and so well first of all we can't advise on which is the best option for them but I I like to tell people it's all relative to the investor because for one person, having that checkbook control and the responsibility of the record keeping might be no big deal for them, but for an individual who is not comfortable with that, going the LLC route might not be ideal for them. So it's all relative to the investor, and then also all it's relative to the types of assets they're, they're investing in inside of that IRA. So. So for example, somebody that's just buying a raw piece of land, a parcel of land, putting it inside of an LLC might not make as much sense to them because there's not very many transactions going on and it's just sitting there. But for an individual that's buying a fix and flip inside of their IRA, going the LLC route might be ideal for them because there's going to be a lot of transactions and a lot of expenses and it might be cumbersome for them to send us the invoice each time and then us cut the check or cut the payment to the the vendor, as opposed to them doing the fix and flip inside of the LLC, they can just pay for the expenses right directly from that checking account. So it's all relative to the investor and their situation and the types of assets that they're investing in. So whatever makes the most sense to them, that's usually what what I like to let individuals know when they're asking me which is the best option for them.
1: Well, there's a, a few things we want to finish with, and I think it's more along, somebody's gotten to the point where they've they thought a self-directed IRA is right for them. There's really three things to, to go through. It's how are they going to fund to actually get the money into the self-directed IRA? What are their responsibilities when they're holding the self-directed IRA? And then what's their exit strategy? How does the money get out of that particular alternative investment, whatever that, that happens to be? Let's let's talk through that. How How can someone actually start a self-directed IRA?
2: Yep, great question. So, and I actually, this is a common question that I get every now and then because when i'm speaking to somebody they say a traditional ira your max contribution is six thousand dollars a year how can i buy a piece of real estate with six thousand (laughs) dollars and so kind of another misconception there there's actually multiple ways that you can fund a self-directed ira and the first being if you have another ira another custodian you can easily transfer that over to your self-directed ira and you can either transfer the entire IRA, or you can do a partial transfer. And you can do, you can take multiple IRAs and do partial transfers from multiple IRAs into your self-directed IRA. Also, you can, if you have money in any type of qualified plan where you're no longer employed, you can roll over that money. So an old 401k, a 457, a 403b, a TSP, any type of qualified plan where you're no longer employed you can roll that money into a self-directed IRA. And you can do a combination. You can pull some money from an IRA and money from your old 401k and use that to fund the self-directed IRA. Now, if you're still employed with the company where you have a 401k or 403b, you might not be able to use that money. You'll have to contact your plan administrator and see what their what their regulations are. But sometimes if you're still employed there, they don't allow you to move any of that money unless there's a qualified event. So if you're still employed there and you're interested in potentially using some of that money, you'll want to call your plan administrator and see if you're allowed to move any of that money. So you can do a transfer, a rollover, or a contribution. And you can do a combination of all three. So um, a yearly contribution is allowed inside your IRA, providing that you're allowed to make the yearly contribution based on what you're contributing to other retirement accounts. So transfer, rollover, contribution, combination, all three of those. Lots of options for funding your self-directed IRA.
1: So now people have money in there. What are the responsibilities? What what do they have to do? You mentioned they're the fiduciary. How does, how does that all work?
2: So a couple of things that they're responsible for. Number one, doing their own due diligence on the assets that they're investing in. We are record keepers, so we do not provide any sort of investment advice, tax advice, or legal advice. We are strictly record keepers and custodians for the assets that the client is investing in. So it's their responsibility to do do their own due diligence on the assets that they're investing in, so understand what they're getting into. And then it's also their responsibility to make sure that they're following the IRS rules in regards to prohibited transactions and doing business with disqualified persons. We're here to help inform them of what the IRS rules are, but it's up to them to follow them. And then at the end of each year, we ask that our clients submit to us what we call fair market valuation forms. Since we, as the record keeper, are doing the reporting to the IRS on the values of their assets, we ask that the client submits to us updated and accurate values of their retirement accounts once a year. So that's really the basics of their responsibilities as the account holder.
1: And then at some point in time, they might want to get the money out of there. What's their, how do they, how do they do that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this is the the exit strategy is actually really important. Unfortunately, it's not a conversation that is had a lot and it's potentially because it's a younger investor that I'm speaking to and they're not thinking long-term. But I always do like to have the exit strategy conversation just so individuals, again, know their options with self-directed barriers, so many different options. So the the individual can pass their assets on to their beneficiary. So that's an option. Let's say that they pass and they can pass that to the beneficiary. The, the rules still, the beneficiary IRA rules still apply to a self-directed account. Again, the same rules, the, it has the same r- rules as a normal IRA. So the same beneficiary rules apply, but passing it along to their beneficiary is an option. The individual can sell the assets. So that's an option. So let's say that down the road, they are ready to take their RMDs and they just want to sell the asset, liquidate the account, perfectly fine, they can do that as well. The other option is taking an in-kind distribution. So let's say that they've invested in an illiquid asset and selling it's not an option. They can take a partial in-kind distribution or a full in-kind distribution. And what that means is instead of taking cash, As a distribution you're taking a value of that asset as your distribution having it retitled and re-registered in your name personally and now you personally own that asset and what i like to for individuals that are investing in real estate this is a really interesting and neat concept so i mentioned earlier no buying, no selling, or no transferring ownership between your IRA and you personally or any disqualified person. Some individuals are buying a piece of real estate in hopes of retiring in that real estate later on down the road. But if they're never allowed to buy, sell, or transfer ownership, how would they ever be able to live in that house personally once they're they're reaching retirement age? They can do that via an in-kind distribution. So an individual buys a piece of property, let's say they rent it out for 15 years and now they're of retirement age and they want to start taking in-kind distributions and so that they can personally live in that property. They can do it all at once, which for some individuals, that's a really big tax hit all at once and they don't want to do that. So they'll do partial in-kind distributions. So let's say, for example, the first year they do a 25% in-kind distribution. Now they personally own 25% of that piece of real estate. Their IRA owns 75% of that real estate. They obviously have to have it retitled. So there is going to be a small expense associated with doing that, but they can keep doing that each year until they personally own that property. Once they personally own that property at 100%, at that point, they can do whatever they want with that property. They can live in it. They can have a disqualified person live in it. They can rent it out to a disqualified person. They're able to do whatever they want with it. But as long as their IRA is still even 1% owner. The IRS rules and regulations apply on self-dealing and arm's length transactions and no doing business with disqualified persons. But taking in-kind distribution specifically for real estate is kind of a, a, a neat concept. So i like to just share that as an option for an exit strategy.
1: Yeah, appreciate that. And I, I'm thinking what's interesting listening to you about these exit strategies, it just highlights how these self-directed IRAs have the same rules a lot of times as the normal IRAs a normal IRA you can pass that money to the beneficiary you have stock inside your normal IRA go ahead and sell it uh, you can even take the in-kind distribution you might own uh, some shares of stock that you don't want to sell but you've reached the required minimum distribution age you can just say transfer hundred shares out of the IRA or whatever the number of shares is out of the IRA as in kind so you still own those shares of stock that you want to keep but you follow the IRA rules and you Get a tax form saying you distributed a certain dollar amount out of there. And so it's interesting how uh, it, it doesn't sound um, too special. It's just the same as the normal IRA when you're taking money out or, and passing along.
2: Like I said earlier, it's a big misconception because I have people all the time asking me, what are the, what are the requirements? What's my max contribution? It's literally the exact same as any other IRA. So it's just a self-directed gives you the ability to invest in alternatives. So really interesting and yeah, it's the exact same as a regular IRA.
1: Good, well, Mindy, you've given us a masterclass on self-directed IRAs, very much appreciate that. Is there anything we didn't ask you that we should have gone through?
2: Um, Let's see, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but we do on our website, we have a learning center that has a plethora of information. If anyone's interested in learning more about self-directed IRAs, they're welcome to contact me um via phone or email I'm more than happy to have that conversation with them
1: that's perfect and we'll we'll have the uh, links to the the learning center we'll have links to the interest group links to uh mindy to get in touch with her what what would maybe be the best way for people to get in touch with you
2: they can either call or send me an email i'm i'm responsive to both
1: excellent and what's uh what's your phone number and email
2: the best phone number to reach me at is six one five nine zero zero four zero one five. And then my email address is M G A Y E R at the dot com. So M G A Y E R at the E N T R U S T G R O U P dot
1: Awesome. Well well thank you, Mindy, for coming on the show. This has been fun. I, I know a lot more about self-directed IRAs now. I'm sure everyone else listening knows a lot more about self-directed IRAs as well. So thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed it. And uh, thanks again for inviting me to, to join today.
1: You got it. And, and thank you to our listeners for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions.
0: Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the social security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
2: Entrust does not endorse, recommend, or advise on any investment product or service. Rather, Entrust provides the administration, information, and tools to make self-direction straightforward and compliant.